0: in today's message what is emotional abuse but before we get into this vital topic i want to invite you if our podcast and youtube channel has been a blessing in your life to support treasured ministries by donating ten dollars to our end of year giving campaign by visiting wwwgive 10 Tell 10.com. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Treasured Ministries YouTube and podcast. I am honored humbled and so excited to have on our podcast today one of my favorite authors, Leslie Vernick. Leslie is a popular speaker, author, and licensed clinical social worker and relationship coach. She has over 35 years of experience helping individuals, couples, and families heal rebuild, and grow their relationships, whether coaching, speaking, or writing. Leslie gently leads people to make real-life changes. She loves to help women learn how to confidently speak their own thoughts and feelings in a constructive way, encounter God's peace and presence in the midst of suffering, difficulty, or loss, and develop the discipline to turn dreams and Desires into Reality. Leslie is the author of seven books, including the best-selling, The Emotionally Destructive Marriage, and The Emotionally Destructive Relationship. Leslie, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad that you're here. Thanks so much. So I actually... Found out about Leslie when I was dealing with a difficult relationship, and uh, I hopped onto her email. I subscribed to her newsletter. I highly recommend that. We're going to have some great links for you in the show notes that you'll be able to do that too. And that led me to order one of your resources now this was 15 years ago it was a small book just like this but it had a huge impact Mm. um on a difficult relationship that that i had and since that time um i've always been in ministry to women whether it was volunteering at my church in the early stages to now with leading treasured ministries i consistently recommend Leslie's resources uh, to women inside of our treasured tribe. And the reason why is that Leslie has a way of unpacking biblical truth that can help you see the truth in a way where it does bring real change. And uh, I want to just read to you this quote from a woman inside of our treasured tribe who has been listening to Leslie's podcast. As a victim of emotional and mental abuse, Leslie's podcast gave voice to expressing the situation, what it was, abusive and unbiblical. Leslie's wisdom and insight into what the Bible really says as it relates to marriage and even divorce allowed me to walk with confidence with the decision to walk away knowing that I was in the will of God every step. Her words saved my life and the life of my children. Um, Leslie Thank you so much for the work uh, that you do. And I I so appreciate your wisdom and your passion to help others, uh, like the quote from the woman that we read, not only women, but men as well, um, who have experienced emotional abuse, as well as all the great resources that you provide Would you share with our audience a little bit about your story and background and why this topic is important to you?
1: Wow. Yeah. So I was raised by a um, single mom who left my dad when I was eight years old, back when single Mm -hmm. moms were rare and Mm -hmm. nobody came from a divorced family. And my mom had a lot of issues and, you know, looking back and understanding her family now from an adult perspective, I certainly can understand why she was the way she was. But as a kid, I didn't know. I just wanted a mom. And, um, I had a younger brother and sister. My mom was, um, bipolar and she never experienced the depression part of it, at least not that I noticed, but she did get very, very crazy manic. Mm -hmm. And, um, And when she got that way she would be very scary she also drank a lot of alcohol she worked two jobs one by day as a secretary one by night as a playboy waitress at the playboy club in chicago um Mm. and so i i forgot all about that until i was looking through some old photographs and saw pictures of her as with her little bunny ears on and her little costume and i thought oh i forgot about that but um so we were left alone a lot i was the oldest probably because i had the most um sassy attitude, I probably got the worst of it. And because I reminded her of my dad, she left my dad. She was very angry with him. So mm-hmm. her behavior was abusive in every way. Well, not sexually, but physically, emotionally, mentally. And by the time I was 14, my dad, who had come to Christ and remarried, um, went to court and got custody of us, which was unheard of back then for fathers to get full custody. Um, by then, my mom, you know, kind of checked out. She went um, to a different state, and I didn't invite her to my wedding. I didn't invite her to my college graduation. She had done other things that were very destructive to me, hurtful, accused me of stealing from her, which I never did. But just, I mean, in her craziness, she just wasn't in her right mind. But back then, there was no book on boundaries. There was no, you know, instruction on how do you honor parent who's acting dishonorably how do you trust them do you invite them to your wedding is it okay to not invite them to your wedding is it okay to not have your mother see your children Um, and there just was nothing out there other than for women be nice get along make do and be nice to your mother Um, and so I didn't know how to do that because my mom was dangerous and she was scary and even my husband was afraid of her so it was a lot of personal work in my own therapy and my own growth and development to figure out how I could heal and what boundaries were. Even they, There wasn't even a word for it back then. So I think as I became a clinical social worker in my field, I had to do the work personally. Uh, and so it was very easy for me to recognize other women who were struggling to do this work. And the church hasn't been really helpful with that because a lot of the teaching was, you know, just forgive, forget, forget forbear, be loyal, be kind, go the extra mile, turn the other cheek, all of those wonderful, nice phrases that um, can put you in harm's way if you don't have discernment. And so I didn't speak or see my mom for 15 years. My kids didn't really get to know her. Um, but I did my work during that time and really began to grow and to heal. And I began to really realize so many of the women I was seeing in my counseling practice were also struggling with that, Um, maybe not with their parents, but with their husbands in marriage. And again, the church was really insufficient in giving them adequate answers about how do I really love my husband and not enable him to continue to sin against us? How do I honor my vows? What does it look like to be a helpmate and not an enabler? And the truth is sometimes you have to speak the hard words to someone to speak the truth, um, and that may cost you. And so there was just a lot of biblical work that I had to do to figure all that out personally as well as professionally. Um, but I am grateful that God let me go through what I went through because one thing I say to women, you know, so often the church tells us that, you know, kids need to be in a home, you know, you need to stay together for the kids. Kids need one healthy parent. And had my da- dad not gotten healthy and taken us, I would have been in a very different place than I am today. And so sometimes it's not... Wise to keep the marriage together at all costs, any price. You need to get healthy as a woman, as a person, so that you can model what it looks like to your child to be a healthy person. Because you can't have an unhealthy person married to another unhealthy person and have a healthy relationship. It just doesn't go together. Right.
0: What a, a beautiful story in how God took uh the pain of your childhood and turned it into treasure because now you're using what you learned to help other people. And certainly there's an empathy that can only come through experience. And as hard as that was for you, I praise God uh, that he has is using the tragedy that you went through um, because you know, I hear so many times how you have helped people. So, um, so, and and the other thing that I love about that is that when you read Leslie's resources, um, that's that's you're reading from somebody that has walked through this journey. Um, and and what an encouragement to us to know that it is possible to heal uh, from there. And you have a great story in your. Book um, the emotionally destructive relationship that you open up with. It just, you know, certainly gives that inspiration, um, and I won't spoil it for everybody. Yeah. You can read about that in the book. So, so let's let's talk about emotional abuse. What is emotional abuse?
1: Well, there's lots of different ways of looking at it. Um, but first, let me just say really clearly that. Don't let any pastor or Christian counselor tell you that the Bible doesn't speak about emotional abuse. It absolutely does. Right words pierce like a sword. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So emotional abuse is using your words or behaviors without hitting to dishonor another person. So when we talk about, the Bible talks a lot about honoring one another. What does it look like to honor one another? It means to treat them as you would like to be treated. It means to treat them as a person of worth and dignity. It means to treat them as an image bearer. And so emotional abuse happens when someone treats you as less than that, as an object to use versus a person to love. Treats you as um, disposable or garbage or unimportant or that you don't matter. And sometimes a parent can do that to a child, and sometimes a husband can do that to a wife or a wife can do that to a husband. But all of those dishonoring gestures, and it can be um, something that all of us do at times. We all are sinners. We all do things that are wrong sometimes. The difference between a healthy sinner and an unhealthy sinner is that when we do something dishonoring, whether it's to our child or to our partner or to our girlfriend, and they call us out on it, we kind of admit it. We don't say, it's your fault. I acted that way. We don't blame shift. We don't deny. We don't lie. We don't spin it. We don't gaslight we kind of look at ourselves and say, wow, yeah, that was mean or that was unkind or that was kind of snarky or that was disrespectful, and I need to, I need to own that. That's the difference, and so when someone repeatedly dishonors someone, and it makes you feel like you're going crazy because they tell you you're being too sensitive or you're overreacting or that's because you were wounded as a child and so you're just too, mm-hmm. too reactive and too sensitive and they didn't really dishonor you. You're just taking it that way. You start to feel a little kooky inside and that starts messing with not only your ability to reason and think, it also messes with your sense of your value and who you are because the people who have promised to love you, whether it's a parent or a spouse, is acting like you don't matter. Mm-hmm.
0: And so the, you talk about the kookiness. So that comes from just the confusion over um, the, the whole experience. So everything is just so confusing and it's, it's hard to to see the truth.
1: And they blame um, you for how they behave. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. they, if they call you a name, it's because you weren't, you know, quick enough or you mm-hmm. weren't loving enough or you weren't um, kind enough to them. And so they justify their treatment of you by picking mm-hmm. on your flaws. And of course, some of that might be true. Like maybe, maybe you weren't very attentive to your husband. And so you were distracted with the baby or whatever. And so then he blames you for his affair. Or he blames you for being inadequate to meet his needs. When in fact, he has to learn that you can't always be at his beck and call. The the truth is nobody can meet everybody's needs all of the time. But as Christian women, we put that on ourselves, like, <gasps> Oh, it's my fault because yes. I need to be everything to him. I need to always be there for him. And so now if he cheated or if he's watching porn or if it's he criticizes me, it's because I'm not good enough. We We interpret it that way versus I'm not going to be his everything and we're not okay with that. And so that becomes more of emotionally degrading to us.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I can't tell you how many women have told me that they experience shame because they feel if I just could have kept the house cleaner
1: right.
0: or if I was just a little prettier or all these sorts of things, I could mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. prevented the affair, prevented my husband from exploding when, when he got home. Um, and And it's just not... Uh, God's way. And then probably well-meaning, wonderful Christian resources. We kind of hear it differently, um, you know, to, to think that that's all on us. And, um, and I'm so thankful for your resources that help us divide out those responsibilities of the shame that we're not called to shoulder when somebody else, um, is, is using their words, uh, to, to oppress. Um, so I I'd, I'd love to hear this. Um, what are the ways that emotional abuse can impact our lives physically, spiritually, and emotionally?
1: Well, the impact is is grave. Actually, studies are now showing that it impacts our bodies, that we get sick. The women that we work with in our groups sometimes have been married, you know, 20, 30 years in an emotionally abusive relationship and they're they're struggling with autoimmune diseases, they're struggling with heart disease. Um, I was at a Christian counselors conference, and a woman came up to me. She was probably your age, beautiful woman. She was with her husband, who was the pastor, and she grabbed me and she hugged me, and she whispered it in my ear, and it just I just felt so sick. She said, I've already had two heart attacks. How long do I have to stay? She couldn't say it out loud because he was with her, but it affected her body. Studies are showing that it affects actually – epigenetics is now saying that trauma, when you go through trauma, it's passed down to the generation, the next generation, your children, in utero. Mm -hmm. So we have dismissed this, but the Bible says that the sins of the parents are passed down. And so when we're not healthy and we don't value our own mental, physical, spiritual, uh, financial well-being, emotional well-being, that gets passed on to our children. And so it's so important that we recognize that when The Bible talks about living with a contentious person is like rottenness to the bones. It means it. It does affect your health. It affects your emotions. One of the reasons I wrote my books on emotionally destructive marriage was I was writing a book on depression, and the women that I was seeing in my practice, 97% of them were in emotionally destructive marriages, and they were taking antidepressants, Xanax, and vodka in order to be able to sleep with their husbands at night. And I'm thinking... Is this the solution for Christians that you're depressed, you have to stay married no matter what, your husband's abusing you emotionally or financially or sexually, and you've got to, God, this this honors God? This doesn't honor God at all. And so- That's when I really began to get angry about women who were stuck in these situations, because before that I'd really worked with children because I was a child of an abusive situation. Um, But I thought, you know what, if we can help these women get healthy, they can help their children. And so that's why I really think it's so important for women to begin to own that they are a precious image bearer. Even if someone doesn't treat you that way, Jesus wasn't treated that way all the time. But you have to begin to recognize who you are. And if someone doesn't treat you that way, that's not what God wants for you.
0: Amen. Amen. Oh, I hope every woman heard heard that. Pass it on to your friends. You are an image bearer of God, and you deserve um, it, it, the the treatment that God intends for you to have. Um, and and I'm so thankful for your voice, Leslie, that is giving volume to to these biblical um, truths. Um, So another impact, you you talk about this in in your book, The Emotionally Destructive Relationship, you give the great analogy using circles that describes how emotional abuse, mental abuse can give us the perspective that people are more powerful than God. I'd love for you to share this analogy um, with our audience and maybe your thoughts on how this could potentially lead to Um, codependency.
1: Yeah. So, so if we think about our self-image for just a minute, our self-image is formed and forged actually in relationship. So when a baby is born, they're looking in their mother's eyes and they're saying, who do you say that I am? They're not saying that with their words, but they are saying that with their eyes. A uh, Baby is known when they do studies, a baby is always searching for eyes. They're not searching for balloons, they're not searching for mobiles, they're searching for eyes. They wanna look in someone's face and they want to get a sense of who they are through the body language, through the, through the voice tone, and through the way they're treated by another person, their parent. And so ideally a baby learns you are cute and you are special and even when you're crying or throwing up all over me or, you know, pooping on, you know, me and my dress, I still love you and you're adorable. That's hopefully the picture that a child gets about themselves. Sadly, they don't always get that picture, perhaps because the mother is mentally ill like mine was or distressed or has 10 other kids to take care of or whatever reason. And the kid begins to see through their parents' eyes, I'm a pain in the neck, I don't matter, I'm too much trouble, I can't be, you can't be bothered with me. And so they begin to have this damaged sense of self. And God wants us to get our first sense of self in our relationship with our human parent so that we can begin to also understand how we look in God's eyes and say, God, who am I? Who do you say that I am? And he says, you are my daughter. You are a precious image bearer. And Even if your mother and father forsake you, God says in his word, even if they don't show you well who you were this is who you are. But what we tend to do is we tend to look in other people's eyes like our boyfriends and like our friends. Who do you say that I am? Am I cool? Am I a cool kid? I have a teenage granddaughter right now who's kind of struggling with that right now. Am I worthy? Am I cool? Do you accept me? And so we look in people's faces and we say, tell me who I am. Am I cool? Am I worthy? Am I wanted? And when they think we are, we feel good for a season. And when they think we're not... We feel worthless for a season. And so we've elevated people to be able to define us instead of God defining us. And we've, we get smaller and smaller and people get bigger and bigger. And especially if we've not felt very good about ourselves, we tend to gravitate toward people because we don't feel worthy to be with other people. We tend to gravitate toward people who will treat us as we believe we are. If we don't believe that we're worth much, we tend to gravitate toward people who will confirm that with us. And one of the things that I was sharing this weekend at a speaking event that I did is that sometimes Christian women are taught some virtues that are virtues in the Christian life, but make them unhealthy if they don't balance it with other virtues. So for example, women are very uh, giving. They're very people pleasing. They want to serve. They want to help. They want to give. They want to love. They want to be loyal. They want to be faithful. They want to be sacrificial. those are wonderful qualities. But if they don't have boundaries with that, if they don't have a no, then they attract a strong taker, because you're the giver, and they attract a strong taker. And that taker is going to treat them disrespectfully and objectively, like an object versus a person. And we tend to let that happen, because we don't have a self. And so our self is really, really little and other people get really, really big, even bigger than God. And their voice becomes the defining voice in our lives instead of God's voice. And that's where the shift has to happen to change if we're going to really get healthy. We have to listen to what God says about us. I remember my mom, I was an adult now, and she was uh, threatening to, to harm me. And I remember sitting on the step of her house like sobbing my eyes out. I'm a grown up now, but my mom still has the power to hurt me, right? And so I'm sitting on the step and I'm crying. And why, I, why can't my mom love me? Why can't my mom love me? Why does she think I'm so horrible? Why doesn't she love me, you know? And God just broke in that moment. and He said, are you going to continue to listen to her voice over my voice? I'm telling you who you are. Are you going to believe it? And wow. it was so powerful. It was one of those moments where I just felt like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. like I have a choice here. And I can choose life or death, depending on whose words i 'm going to let define me. My wow. mother's unto God, and that was a powerful moment of change for me
0: Wow, wow, that is a powerful story um, um, and it 's a choice that we can make every day to to have that shift away from people. That uh, our perspective of their opinions has grown big because of um, the experiences that we've had in life. But when we are a child of God, we can look to Him. We can look in His eyes and who He says
1: that we are. That's that's a that's a powerful story. Um, And even Jesus had to make that choice. Remember when the disciples, you know, were saying, "Hey." You should stop letting that woman pour all the expensive perfume. That's a waste. You're being greedy. You know, they were kind of judging Jesus for that. Or when the Pharisee Mm -hmm. said, he's out of his mind. He's crazy or he's demon possessed. Mm -hmm. Or his own family said, he's crazy. And so people didn't always approve of Jesus either. And he was perfect, but he didn't get 100% approval rating. So he had to decide, who am I? Who do people say that I am, he asked Peter. But he had to know who he was from his father's voice. And I think that's such an important thing for women. Sadly, though, in the church, I think oftentimes women have seen their abuser's voice as God's voice because of the wrong teaching that's gone on in the church about God hates divorce and God just wants you to sacrifice. And it's most important Mm -hmm. to God that you keep your marriage together. So they're not able to hear his voice of their value and their worth
0: Amen. Amen. I couldn't agree uh, with you more. And uh, if you've been listening to my podcast and YouTube listeners out there, you know that, um, that we teach God first. No person is to be an idol. And if someone is oppressing you to the point where they're elevated above God, idolatry of man mm-hmm. Is is a no no.
1: I have I have a saying that we use with our women, and I'll use the analogy. So when I was living in Pennsylvania, I had um, some flowers that I didn't know I didn't know anything about gardening, so I just put them in the ground. But I didn't realize they didn't have any sunshine where they were planted, and so they were big. Those daylilies, those big orange daylilies, and Mm -hmm. instead of growing strong and upward, like. Flowers are supposed to grow. They were growing crooked because they had to like get out from underneath the overhang of my garage where I planted them, and they needed some sunshine. But then they would be growing crooked, and then they would break because their stems wouldn't be able to sustain the weight of the flower Mm -hmm. that way. And I often talk to women and say, you know, when we've been taught as Christian women, and me too, I I bought the Kool Aid as well, that we're to be husband-centered women that we're to put our marriage and our man as our number one priority. And God says that's idolatry. We're to be God-centered women. So we're going to be, if we're bent into another man, even a good man, but especially someone who's not a good man, if we're bent into a man to tell me who I am, if you tell me I'm worth it, I'm worth it. If you tell me I'm a loser, I'm a loser. If you tell me I'm beautiful, I'm beautiful. Mm -hmm. If you tell me I'm ugly, I'm ugly. That's putting their words as the truth in our heart. And God says, he's the truth. He sets us free. And so we have to, remove that and not put our husbands in the God place in our heart.
0: Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful for you, Leslie. Amen. Yes. Yes. So, so why is it, and and we all have to do this personally, but why is it important for us to, to recognize the emotional abuse? I mean, in, in your book, um, the emotionally destructive relationship. The first part of the book is to see it, um, and certainly I've I've had that experience. I mean, it was hard to to label it, but why is emotionally abuse um, dismissed or not validated? And why do we all have to personally, every woman? Why is it important for? And men too. Why is it important for us to recognize it for
1: ourselves? Well, I think naming something is really important. Um, it puts it into more reality. It keeps it, it helps us to know what to do next. So if we have a lump in our breast, that causes a little bit of fear, but all we can name is it's a lump. We don't know exactly what it is. So we need to know more is it cancer or is it just a benign cyst? Depending on what it is, that's the action we need to take. And so I think it's really important for us to name things. Um, God put it on Adam and Eve to name the animals, to name things, put our feelings into words, put what's happening us into words because words help shape our reality. We want to make sure we have the right words because if, if this is no big deal, if those are the words, if I'm just making too much of this, if those are the words, if I'm just too sensitive, then I might ignore real danger signs that God has given me for my welfare. If I feel a, a lump in my breast and I say, oh, it's no big deal, it's just, I'm just probably imagining it, I'm not going to take the appropriate action that I might need to take for my own stewardship of my safety and well-being in the yeah. same way. When I'm in a relationship with someone who is causing harm to me physically or emotionally or spiritually or sexually or even financially, You know, there can be a lot of financial damage that's done in a marriage, and we're not to be money-oriented for sure, but we are to be stewards of our resources, and our physical health is one of them. We're to guard our heart above all else, for it is the wellspring of life, and including our financial resources. And if someone else is mismanaging all of that so that we don't have enough for our well-being, that's something to pay attention to. We want to put words to it and not make excuses or candy coat things with a, a silver lining or a, a, a cotton candy lining that makes it look better than it really is. Sometimes things are ugly and it's better to name it for what it is so that we know what to do with it than pretending it isn't as bad as it is. So it's almost like you can't really
0: address it mm-hmm. until you say that this is this, this is, is what it. the issue is. Um, and there's there's no shame in that you know, as Leslie talked about, you're not the cause cause of that because God calls every human to, to speak respectfully, kindly to, to people, no matter how we're treated or whatever, if your house wasn't clean or, or any of that. Um, uh, so there, there's no shame in that. Um, and, um, and you you need to validate that uh, for yourself. And and speaking of validating it, um, you you may have listened today, and you may have said, "Well, you know, how do I know?" And Leslie has a great. Quick Start Guide. It's a free resource. We're going to leave that link in the show notes today, so you can just click on that and go right to it. But the URL address is wwwleslievernetcom forward slash start, or there's a button right there on her homepage that you can go to um, and, and download that resource to discern for yourself um, where that relationship is. Lies. Um, Any any thoughts you want to share with our audience on uh, your quick start guide?
1: Yeah, I think that it's a it's a really helpful tool to kind of discern whether you're in a difficult, disappointing, or destructive relationship. But I think the biggest clue that you're in a destructive relationship is to pay attention to whether you have a voice and a choice. Wow! If if you can say no and your no is respected. And if you can say, I don't like that, and I don't want to do that, and you can be free to have those voices and choices, then maybe it's not as oppressive or abusive as it feels when it's a hard time. It's just a hard time of communication. But if you say ouch or don't, or I don't like that, or that's not okay with me, and you're Gaslit, like you're not being submissive, you're being an ungodly woman. How dare you say that to me? Hey, you're just too sensitive, you're overreacting. And your no and your voice are completely disregarded, disrespected, degraded, demeaned, those kind of things. Understand that's not just a difficult relationship, that's a destructive one because you're not allowed to be a self. One of the things, so here's my cell phone, and we love our cell phone, but I don't really care about my cell phone. I only love my cell phone because it serves me. And if it stops working the way I want it to, I will get a different one. And so, so many women are in relationships and they're treated like a role, like you are the wife, you are my wife. You have to do what I say, I'm the head and you're disposable if you don't. And so many women that we work with are shocked. Like as soon as they start to put their foot down and use their voice, husband leaves and he finds someone else. It's like my cell phone telling me, no, no, you're not going to tell me no. If you tell me no, you're not going to work for me. I'm going to throw you away and get a different one. And if that's all you are is you're a role, you're a wife and you're a mom to the people in your life. You've allowed yourself to be shrunk down into just an object to use versus a person to love. And God has called you into loving relationships, not user taker relationships. And so that's part of you getting healthy is saying, wait a minute, I have a voice, I have a choice. And the more that you can express that and talk about that with people in your life, that would be a big indicator of that it's not destructive. If you're not allowed to, if you're scared to, if you've been told, hey, you have to be submissive, you have to do what he says, he's the household head, and you have no choice or no voice, that's a destructive not only relationship, but it might be a destructive church system that you believe in and go to as well.
0: Wow. Okay. That is so powerful. So easy to remember. So biblically true. Do you have a voice and a choice? Do you have a voice and a choice? That is so good. And, and you know, Leslie, God gives us choice. He does. Because it wouldn't be love if, if he controlled us and put us on a leash, he gives us choice like a good shepherd. He calls to us, he invites, but then we have that choice. And that is real love.
1: Yeah. Love does Submission is a choice. A submission is a choice. If you're Um, forced to do something, it's not called submission. It's not submission. Right. It's called coercion.
0: Exactly. I love you, Leslie. <laughs> so yes. yes, that is so good. A voice and a choice that is that is awesome. Um, and and certainly, um, in your podcast, in your books, you unpack. Um, how to deal with these types of relationships, even how to deal with relationships that are maybe not on the destructive end, but on the difficult Mm -hmm. end. And for these reasons, I really want to encourage you that are listening today to subscribe to Leslie's podcast, visit her website um, get the free guy, get on her email list because uh, there's just a wealth of information, good biblical information that's going to be uh, coming your way. We're going to leave a link to a specific podcast that Leslie has published recently called Is Your Relationship Abusive? So you can check that out um, as well as links to her website. Leslie, this has been amazing. Any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience today?
1: Yeah. So I think one of the things that we have done wrong in the church and that we as women have to learn to do differently is we have kind of glorified the roles. And so we can't blame only the men. You know, if a little boy was asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, all I want to be is a daddy. We would say, that's great, but what else? Like, what else is God calling you to? What else? What else has God put inside of you to do? You know, we might not say it that way depending on the age, but, but that's what we're really looking for. But when a little girl says that, all I want to be is a mommy and a wife someday. We're, we're saying, good, that's great. That's what God wants you to be. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm a wife and a mom and a grandmom, and I love that, but that's not all I am. And I think this is where we have failed to nurture and nourish the feminine we've nourished and nurtured the masculine and sometimes to a toxic place but we've also done that with the feminine in that women are not taught how to be fully formed human beings we've been groomed into roles like the wife and the mom and we've not stewarded the rest of our life and this dying to self in biblical terms a seed when it dies to self jesus uses that metaphor it doesn't move into nothingness. It moves into more, actually. It, doesn't, it dies to itself as a seed so that it can become more, that God yes. created you for more. And so I'm not saying more than a wife and a mother. That You might be fine with that now, but part of being yes. a healthy adult is being capable of supporting yourself, being capable of being self-sufficient, being capable of stewarding yourself, And when you're not capable and you're dependent on someone, they can have a lot of control over you. And so I think as women, we have to teach our daughters and we have to help women aspire to becoming all that God wants them to be, not just the role he might have for them for a season, but what else does God have for you, not in terms of career, but in terms of personhood. We're to develop ourselves and our life so that we shine forth like a light, like a bright light, and we're not just controlled by another person. And so that's so important that we teach women that. And I think the more that we can teach women that, the less easily they will be controlled and abused. That,
0: that'll preach right there. Amen. I love it. So good. So good. And so many women in the tribe were, you know, 50 plus and, and just uncovering who God created us to be. And I I just have to say I praise God that Joshua was 80 when he walked into that promised land because I say you're never too
1: old. No, never.
0: We're never too old, and it's so fun to see that um come come to life and I I've never thought about it that way with how we um a- address those roles with with daughters, and what a powerful truth for every mother, father listening in today to the podcast to begin to foster that. Um, if you do have a daughter or, or you're mentoring um, somebody young, powerful, powerful truths. And if you want more powerful truths, again, check out Leslie's podcast um, and her website. Thank you, Leslie. Would you be willing to close us in prayer today? Definitely. Father,
1: we just pray for any woman who's listening right now who's feeling scared Mm. to be at her house, scared to live with her husband. That's a huge red flag, Lord. We're not supposed to feel scared to be in our own home. That's supposed to be the safest place in the world for us to be. And so many women don't feel that. They don't feel safe. They don't feel Secure, they feel insecure and scared and nervous a lot. And so, any woman who's listening who feels scared, Lord, I pray that they would hear from you perfect love casts out fear, and that you have a plan for them to go forward. And it may be to begin to learn to have a voice and a choice, and it may disrupt some of their interactions with their spouse. But, Lord, if they don't get healthy, they're not going to be able to get out of this place that they're in right now of fear and feeling trapped. Lord, we pray that you would just continue to bring them resources that are truthful and loving and kind and growth-producing for them. We know that it's so hard to sometimes get some fresh air when you've been isolated so long in a particular mindset and a particular belief system, particular church, particular home. So, Father, we just pray that you would, breathe holy spirit fresh air into their lives that they might see new perspectives they might think new thoughts they might see it from you as you are their god and the desire to make them whole and healthy thank you for this opportunity in jesus name amen amen thank you again leslie you're welcome Join us
0: as we stand together to encourage women to find their freedom, strength, and healing through biblical truth by donating $10 to Treasured Ministries' Give 10, Tell 10 Challenge. Your donation will help offer scholarships and fund our four-day retreat this summer at The Cove in Asheville, North Carolina. And guess what? We have a matching grant donation of $10 $1,000, which means every 10 you donate doubles. Giving women the opportunity to experience the healing and wholeness that only comes from God is possible when we all stand together. So here's how you can donate to the Give 10 Tell 10 Challenge. Number one, visit Give10Tell10.com and donate $10 or a multiple of 10 to treasured ministries. Number two, text this link to 10 friends, Give10Tell10.com, and encourage them to take the challenge by donating $10 to Treasured Ministries. Number three, watch God move. Check back to our website and see our donor wall grow as we work together to raise $20,000 by December 31st. Your 10 matters. Donate today. Thanks for your support.